Welcome to Words with Logan and Friends, a podcast where we talk about sports, life, and a variety of topics submitted by you, the listener. My podcast is now available on all streaming services. Welcome into my weekly podcast. This week I'm joined by Billy Dietz. We're going to talk a lot about Bucks. We'll also talk a little bit about travel. How are you doing today? Good, Logan. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. How is it going in times like these? We're in quite the unique situation. It is interesting. I mean, it's something we've never experienced before, but I think we're making progress and hopefully sooner rather than later we're back to living a somewhat normal life. We saw yesterday, the 13th, that the stay-at-home order was in a way vacated. We will kind of see what the effects are going to be of that. Hopefully they're for the positive. Hopefully we won't have a big second wave, but we'll kind of see how that goes. Yeah, um, that was definitely interesting. I mean, Wisconsin has been in the news a lot politically, all because of, I mean, the in-person voting and now this and with the DNC and everything. It's going to be nice to get people back to work, but hopefully people are taking the right precautions and businesses are being smart about what they're doing. And yeah, we'll see what happens. The most unfortunate thing is Milwaukee was facing like a billion dollar summer coming up with Summerfest, potentially the NBA finals, DNC. You put that all together, Milwaukee looked like one of the best places to be in this upcoming summer. Now everything's changed, so it's kind of unfortunate, especially because we both live here. And I know we were both looking forward to see what this summer was going to be turning into. Yeah, it's definitely a huge bummer being from the area. I know, obviously, it's a little colder in Wisconsin, so we thrive on the summers with the lake and all the festivals and everything like that. And this summer was especially big because we were hosting the DNC, and along with that, we had a obviously a great Bucks team that maybe could have won it all and it just would have been a good summer to be around. Now I've had Ben and I've had Conrad on these last two weeks. Us meeting kind of came from the same path. I met you on the exact same day that I met Ben. We actually met our sophomore year. Me, Conrad, St. Peter, (laughs) and Steve all walked over to your place in Fox Glove. We had that awesome party. So that's kind of how we met and we went to Whitewater We did not, unfortunately, paint the road purple or run onto Perkins Stadium through a tunnel of student-athletes. A lot of fun times at the bars, a lot of good times in Milwaukee, Bucks games, you know, going to Trevor Hall concerts. guys came up to Plymouth for my 22nd birthday. We had quite a show that time as well. (laughs) And then we even saw Kohler Andre State Park. remember hanging out at the Dunes with you and Jake and Conrad. That was a great time. Do you have any favorite memories of things that we've kind of done? I mean, obviously, like you said, we've had a lot of good memories. We met back in Whitewater. Obviously, your roommates through Conrad, who's been one of my best friends for a long time. Back in Whitewater, it was, definitely was an interesting time. I mean, there's not much to do in Whitewater other than study and drink. So we had our fair share of our bar time and having fun. Like you said, we met at our apartment in Fox Glove, which I lived at with Ben and Jake. Threw some good parties there, had some good times. Favorite memories? I mean, we've done a lot together. Concerts, sporting events, and traveling a little bit, but we've kind of touched it all. We went to Cleveland one weekend, which was one of my favorite kind of long weekend trips. We visited the NFL Hall of Fame. We got to see LeBron James and the Cavs play at at home. And then the next day, we got to see the Packers beat the Browns. So that was definitely... A big highlight of ours in Milwaukee you know the drill Bucks games Brewer games bars me you Conrad and everyone else kind of formed a good friendship from there now the NBA season is obviously suspended at this point in time there's no plans at all I know that Adam Silver there was something that came on ESPN it said that he left a meeting pretty optimistic that something may be brewing with the NBA potentially coming back. I don't know specifically what that looks like or how that is outlined. When we ended, the Bucks were on top. Clear championship aspirations. It's a great time to be here with the you know in the last probably three four years for the Bucks. But I think the NBA was in a great place specific for us as Bucks fans. Do you have any predictions about NBA continuing? That includes free agency after the season, the draft. 
Yeah, so obviously, like you mentioned, the Bucks were having a historic season. All was good. I live right next to the Pfizer Forum, so I'm able to experience the excitement the Bucks bring to the city and how exciting it is. I've been a lifelong Bucks fan, and now that we're finally kind of getting to that top level, it's obviously a terrible situation to have this season be suspended like this. With this season getting suspended, they're probably going to resume it. I think it's only right that we crown a 2020 champ. That being said, obviously things won't be the same. We had the best record in the league before this was suspended, so we no longer are gonna have that home court advantage going forward if we do play at a neutral site in say Las Vegas or something. It would definitely be exciting for the season resume because we're kind of all itching for some sports and some sort of normalcy. But if they do resume the season, I'll be happy. And I'm sure all Bucks fans would, and we'd cheer them on and hope they could bring home a title for us. As far as the draft and kind of free agency goes, I'm curious to see how that all plays out. I mean, I know they suspended the draft. I think it's free agency as well. The draft was supposed to be the end of June, free agency the beginning of July. So I'm curious to see kind of how they handle that as far as when this would be how free agency is going to be impacted salary-wise and kind of everything. But I trust Adam Silver and them to get it all right, and hopefully it works out for the best. Now, if they would come back, let's say June 14th, a month from now, there's no possible way that they just go right in the playoffs, right? I mean, in terms of the conditioning standpoint, we know that players have not been able to go into the training facilities. A lot of them actually, believe it or not, for how much money they have, like Giannis and Chris Middleton, they talked about they haven't been shooting around. You know, they've just been hanging low. Obviously, Giannis has Liam now. I don't think there's any possible way that they could just go right into the playoffs. How many games could you see them playing if they came back? I think the teams need at least a few weeks, three or four weeks, to kind of practice and play together and get back in game shape. The regular season, obviously, I think there were about 15 to 20 games left. I think for the most part, they'll cancel those and have the top eight teams in each conference just go right into the playoffs, obviously with a few weeks to prepare and everything like that. But I'm curious to see how they would do it. There's obviously a lot of different discussions about what they're going to do and how they're going to handle it. If they do resume the season, I envision all the teams, at least the playoff teams, going to a neutral location such as Las Vegas and having at least three to four weeks and maybe a few more regular season games to play before they get into the playoffs. For the most part, the playoffs have been pretty much set. I know in the West they have an eight seed that's kind of up for grabs, the Grizzlies. We kind of have to make the most out of what we have, so the time's winding down. Next season's going to be impacted by this season going on late and everything, so if we're going to get the season in, we hopefully by June we can kind of get at least the teams together and start going from there now you mentioned that you know we might not even have any regular season games do you think that a they cut the number of playoff teams and then b do you think that they cut the length of the series in the playoffs if they would get to that point i don't think cutting the playoff teams would be a good solution being in vegas or a neutral site and the team's not necessarily traveling i think that we could do more of back-to-back games on consecutive nights. So if we did want to hurry up a series, we could kind of do it a lot quicker than if in the normal situation where teams are traveling city to city. As far as shortening the series, I saw some people say that they would do like a three-game series in the first round. I think maybe going back to what they used to do, which was the first round was a five-game series, I think that's reasonable. I don't think a three-game series is fair or reasonable to any team because... Anything can happen in a three-game series, and if you're going to do that to determine a champion, I don't think that's reasonable. That's not really a true true series. I mean, I think at least five games in the finals and semifinals and all that should be seven as normal. Looking one step ahead when we eventually get to the NBA draft, is there any players that are on your radar? I know that you actually met a potential NBA player in the last couple of days at your apartment. Yeah, I actually ran into uh, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, I'm a pretty big basketball fan. I like to follow kind of everything that's going on within Wisconsin players. Tyrese actually 
played against Brookfield East, my alma mater, in the state championship two or three years ago, and they ended up beating us. And I kind of followed him a little bit, and he went to Iowa State and had a couple breakout seasons there, and he's potentially a top 10 pick. So I'm curious to see how that goes. But as far as players, I know the Bucks have an earlier draft pick. They acquired a pick from Indiana in the Malcolm Brogdon sign-and-trade. So we do have a mid to late first round pick as opposed to not having a first round pick i haven't necessarily looked into any specifics about who i want for the bucks a lot depends on who's available or who we re-sign or sign in the offseason so curious to see how Lamelo ball does <laughs> he kind of shot up out of nowhere out in australia so it'll be interesting to see how the nba handles it um, the nfl draft was same dates as it was scheduled for and I thought they did a great job of the virtual draft and I'll be curious to see in the coming weeks what happens with the draft and the NBA in general as as we're nearing June I think a decision is going to have to be made pretty soon so we're going to get into a little bit of Bucks talk after this We're going to start off with the BMO Harris Bradley Center era, which had its good times as well as its mediocre times. We obviously grew up in the Herb Cole era of the Milwaukee Bucks. When was your first Bucks game? I know that you have season tickets, and they're, they're your dad's tickets, right? Yeah, so my dad has had season tickets for a long time now. I know he took kind of a hiatus from season tickets but he's back in he actually renewed his season tickets during the 15 and 67 season he liked what he saw as far as young talent and he kind of was a good time to get back in and ever since then he's had season tickets and I kind of grew up with him having season tickets so I've been to a lot of Bucks games over the years I don't remember exactly my first game but it was probably when I was very young been to a lot of Bucks games throughout the years through the good times and the bad times. So I always say Wisconsin has a great kind of home fans and vibe to us in our stadiums. I mean, we have one of the smallest markets of professional sports, but we continue to put up great numbers attendance-wise. The Brewers, for example, have the smallest market in baseball, but are consistently, as of recently, a top 10 in attendance. So it just kind of shows the passion Milwaukee and Wisconsin has to their sports teams in general. I still remember my very first Bucks game. I was a sophomore in high school. I got into it because one of my best friends from high school, Austin, we sat next to each other in micro econ. You know, we met, we were just chatting and he said that he's a big Bucks fan. We started hanging out. I actually gave him his nickname, which is now Guides from Spanish class. And he, he told me one time about, you know, we're going to the Bucks season opener. Would you be interested in going? They played the Minnesota Timberwolves that day. Don't remember exactly who was on the team. I think it was the like... border battle. I think it was like Bino Udrick was on the team. Yeah. And Chris Douglas Roberts or yeah. Delfino for sure. Charlie Bell. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I went I went to that game. And since that point, I've now been to 10 straight Bucks home openers. Obviously, I've been through some pretty mediocre years, some pretty bad years. The 15 and 67 year was horrible. And then obviously some really good years as well. The prices are a lot different here as well now than what they were. You can go up and sit in the bowl of the BMO for like three bucks back then. Now you can't sit in the bowl of the Pfizer Forum for you know, probably less than 50 bucks or 40 bucks even. Yeah, a lot has um, a lot has changed regarding ticket prices. Right when we kind of opened up the Pfizer Forum a couple of years ago, we obviously had a very talented team at the time. People get angry about it, but also people understand that, I mean, new stadium, great team. It's all about supply and demand. And times have changed. You can't no longer show up and get a $5 ticket like you could at the Bradley Center. For the most part, if you go to like a weeknight game or a non-marquee game, you can get a reasonably priced ticket. And I know they had the student rush deal for anyone in college where you can kind of get discounts if you're a student and stuff like that. So I still get texts for the student rush. There were some times where I'd get the link and like a minute later I'd go on and say sold out or it would say standing room only. I knew that they were going to get rid of it for a while. 
Growing up, who were some of like your favorite bucks that you can kind of recall? Touching on the student rush thing, like I said, it kind of all depends on supply and demand. I mean, back in the day, they were able to hold as many students as they could in the upper deck of the Bradley Center. We weren't that good. And now, I mean, they still do student rush for some of the big marquee games that are pretty much sold out. So obviously they don't have many tickets available. I mean, people have been able to get in and get some tickets when they've wanted, but other times it's obviously frustrating when you are waiting for that student rush text and can't get anything. Some of my favorite players growing up on the Bucks and memories I've had, kind of when I first started following the Bucks, I don't have a great memory because I was uh, about 10 years old, 9 years old, but the purple jerseys era, 2001, we had a great team with Ray Allen, the big dog, Glenn Robinson, Sam Cassell, all of them. That was kind of the first memory I have of the Bucks is those purple jerseys and Ray Allen swishing threes left and right. And then we kind of went through a, some say, darker era where we didn't have many great teams for the next stretch. When we drafted Brandon Jennings, kind of the culture and the vibe with the Bucks changed. The whole Bucks and Six began. Fear the Deer began. And everything like that. So Brandon Jennings, swag master, will always be one of my favorite bucks. Brandon Jennings is by far my favorite player growing up. Just because he was the starting point guard in the very first game that I went to. I've grown up in my bucks time only knowing Brandon Jennings until the point in which he was no longer with the team. Then came back a few years later on a minimum deal. We all know about Bucks and Six. It's a complete culture now. I've seen so many license plates that say Bucks and Six. Bucks and Six is my Twitter account name. You know, you just hear people just like joke and it's like a meme is Bucks and Six. And of course, we got swept 4-0 by the big three, Miami Heat. Uh, we were rolling out Marquise Daniels and Luke Bamute in our starting lineup. <laughs> but that was just wild with the bucks and six obviously you can hear that all the time people scream it chant it it's just never going to die and people think it's old it ain't old it's never going to die two specific memories i have of brandon jennings and they're in my top three the first one i remember it was a home opener i went with guides who i mentioned earlier my friend cody my friend payton and then my roommate my former roommate jerome Brandon Jennings hit a game-winning buzzer beater, three-pointer with like 1.7 seconds left. Yeah, yeah, the Jennings era was great. I mean, getting drafted, Jennings actually took a different route in college. He played overseas initially instead of doing the whole college and NBA routine that most players do. So I didn't know much about him. I was also a bit younger, so I didn't have much of an opinion on it. He obviously ended up being great for us. I mean, he scored 55 points in one of his first games early in that season as a buck, as a rookie. And from there, it was kind of just a whole cultural thing. And I was like, Jennings, let's go. And he kind of got Milwaukee and the Bucks fans hyped up for what's to come. He got put in a tough situation. I hate when reporters ask a player for their prediction in a series. Clearly, we were <laughs> undermanned. And with the heat, obviously, LeBron and D. Wade and Chris Bosh there, we were probably weren't expected to win the series let alone win one game i mean it was it was that lopsided and he was put in a situation where he was asked what his prediction was and he said bucks and six i walk to work or i walk to the store or something and i see a friend and they'll just shout bucks and six i mean it's kind of just come a part of our daily life and at the pfizer forum you'll hear people chant bucks and six and it's something that'll never die. And Brandon Jennings, if you're ever listening to this, thank you for that. Milwaukee loves you, and best of luck. Yeah, the 55-point game was my number two moment behind that buzzer beater. I didn't see the 55-point game, but that was one for just the memories. Like I said, that was kind of the start of this whole new Bucks era. And from there, look what we've built now. So it's exciting. Speaking of new eras, after that kind of – Right around 500 era, we got a slight bit better. No, he is not the reason why, but once we brought in Jason Kidd, our culture kind of changed. I mean, we did bring him in with Jabari Parker era starting, 
But my number three favorite memory is when Jared Bayless hit the game-winning buzzer beater against the Chicago Bulls at home in front of a packed crowd. Just an, a memorable playoff game. Touching on kind of the Jason Kidd in that era, I was all for bringing in Jason Kidd. I, I mean, he's too. a Hall of Fame player. He's got a great track record. And we kind of brought in this new coach, this new young coach, this new era. And we had these new owners. And it was kind of a whole new beginning for us. We had a young team. We were rebuilding. Kid came in and all was good in Milwaukee. Jabari Parker, he obviously didn't pan out the way we wanted him to. It was he the did right at the pick. beginning. Yeah, he he had a good start. Obviously, the ACLs are devastating for pro athletes, and it was tough for him to recover from that. But it was the right pick. Andrew Wiggins went first. Jabari Parker was the obvious pick at two, with Joel Embiid being kind of a question mark with his injury history and all of that. We wanted a guy that was ready to play now. Jabari Parker was the guy. It didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. But you never know. Maybe we'll reunite with him in the future, and he'll be Buck again. I can't believe it happened, you know, twice. He brought a lot of positivity to us. I mean, obviously, being from Chicago, a lot of people were saying, oh, he's going to be a Bull. We want him to be a Bull. And the Bulls weren't that bad. We went 15-67, and 67, which is almost unheard of. He's a proven scorer. Looked like he was going to be building a nice 1-2 combo with Giannis. But kind of when we started announcing the new arena and the new era, new ownership, new coaches, new arena, new management, everything. Him and Yanni were kind of the faces of the future. I actually always find it funny that kind of backtracking Milwaukee's maybe not a free agent's top destination. Obviously, the winters are cold. That's when basketball season, for the most part, is played. We don't have a huge market. We're one of the smaller markets in the NBA. But there were reports that Jabari Parker actually tanked his workout with the Cleveland Cavaliers in order to be drafted second with the Bucks, And I respect that. I mean, Jabari's a guy from Chicago. He got a situation where he kind of be the face of the franchise right away. And like I said, it didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But I don't think we have any regrets about making that pick. It just kind of didn't pan out the way we wanted it to. I mean, look where we are right now, even with him not necessarily panning out with us. We still have the best record in the NBA, and it all kind of worked out in the end. So hopefully we can bring a title home to Milwaukee. And let's talk a little bit about Giannis, specifically with the NBA draft. I still remember this. Guides, who I mentioned earlier, we also made it a yearly tradition. It has kind of died off in the last two, three years with him going to Oshkosh and me going to Whitewater. But we made it a yearly tradition to watch the NBA draft together. We did our own mock drafts. We just, like, followed it religiously. I didn't do too much research on Giannis, but there was one bit of research that me and Guides mutually did, and it was about Kelly Olenek. We didn't want anything to do with Kelly Olenek on the Milwaukee Bucks. I still remember that when Giannis was drafted, and they showed him, you know, waving the Greek flag around, and he's just, like, standing up as such a young person. No one knew who the hell he was. I knew briefly about him. I knew that a lot of people were projecting he would go to the Hawks. We end up with Giannis. I was going crazy because I'm like, you know what? International prospect. We're in the middle of the draft. Let's go with a guy that we have no know anything about. They're showing his his mixtape. It's in like a looks like a middle school gym, just towering over everybody. You know, looking like a superstar. Came in very raw. You know, the crowds actually went pretty crazy every time that he'd come in in his rookie season. The second year, we gave him a little bit more of a leash, and then obviously he's taken off. He's grown significantly strength-wise, mentality-wise. You can see that he is driven to win a championship, cares about the game of basketball. Touching on Yanni, I'm 50% Greek, and obviously when we drafted him, I didn't know a lot about him, and I watched a little YouTube videos and stuff like that on him. I didn't know if he'd be good. Obviously, I didn't expect this. But being a Greek guy and being a big Bucks fan, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Yanni's transformation from being a skinny little kid playing in the second or third division of Greek basketball into the MVP player he is today is honestly one of the craziest things for me. Obviously, having a Greek player is exciting for me. And the fact that he kind of came out of nowhere and became the face of Milwaukee and the face of the Bucks is super exciting. Yanni, if you're ever listening, 
We love you in Milwaukee, and I know you love Milwaukee as well. We're the ones that gave you this home, and I hope you stay a buck for life because we would love that as well. When you have that decision, super max, no-brainer, buck for life, let's bring some rings home. You know, there was a lot of speculation around our team. The BMO Harris is a very old or was a very old arena. There's speculation of, you know, are the Bucks going to lose the team? Are they going to be going anywhere else? Did you have any fear at all that we would lose the team? We are clearly in a rebuilding mode. And under the Herb Cole era, I mean, I love the guy. We wouldn't be where we are today without him. But I felt like we were just pushing to get into the playoffs. We weren't, really, we weren't really ever in a rebuild mode. And I thought at some point we just kind of have to start all over, build up with some top draft picks, and kind of go from there. And that was the year, obviously, where we got the number two draft pick and drafted Jabari. I was obviously a little bit worried. I mean, there was big news that the Bucks could leave if they didn't get a new stadium, this and that. And there was a lot of controversy around how the stadium would be paid for. I know the owners and Herb Cole kind of paid for about half of it, I believe, and then the taxpayers paid for the other half. But, I mean, there are so many Bucks fans in the area and now we can see with the Pfizer form how many apartment buildings and bars and restaurants and everything has opened up strictly because of that. And not only because of the Bucks, but there's also concerts and Marquette games and everything. And there's just huge events at the Pfizer form. The DNC, for example, hopefully it goes on. But this has brought so much excitement and joy and economic activity to uh, the city of Milwaukee, that when it was announced that we would be building a new stadium and staying in Milwaukee, I, along with, I'm sure all Bucks fans, are very thrilled. We're going to talk about Pfizer Forum and the effect it's had on both the local economy and then what our favorite parts are about the Pfizer Forum. The Pfizer Forum is our arena and our mainstay now for the Milwaukee Bucks. It's an outstanding venue for concerts, Bucks games, monster trucks <laughs> and other awesome activities so what what do you think about the five serve form i mean obviously you're a season ticket holder what do you think about you know the vibes that you get from there the crowd aspect we obviously know that the upper deck is significantly better because now rather than when we were at the bmo harrison you're in the top deck you literally had to like crouch over your seat in order to see what's going on everybody looks like freaking ants now the, the upper deck in the Pfizer Forum looks beautiful. You know, it looks just normal. It doesn't look anything different compared to, I mean, obviously it does compared to the lower bowl, but it's, it's very easy for, for watching. Yeah, so the Pfizer Forum, obviously, is a great addition to Milwaukee, like you touched on. Bucks games, Marquette games, concerts, other events like monster trucks and all that. <laughs> The way it was built, I think it's I think it's an amazing and phenomenal stadium. Me and my dad always talk about the open concourse concept where you can kind of walk through the concourse to the concession stands and stuff like that and still see the court in the arena is a really cool thing. And the Bradley Center, you couldn't see what was going on in the game until you actually walked into your section through the tunnel and yeah, stuff kinda, like that. I kind of compare that to like an NFL game. You go to most NFL stadiums and you're walking to the concessions, it's all walled off versus majority of at least the lower bowl when you're walking around trying to get some food, you can still see what's going on. You can see the game. I mean, not obviously clear, but you know, that's why there's so much standing room in the lower bowl. So I would say my favorite part about the Pfizer Forum would have to be, I mean, the Panorama Club is a great aspect of it. It's basically this club that's kind of towards the top of the stadium. And there are some seating where you could overlook and watch the court pretty high up. But there's a bar and there's couches. It's kind of like a lounge club type feeling. And they also have an outdoor area where you can get some of the greatest like kind of skyline and Milwaukee views. And that's always a great, you know, halftime or before game meetup spot with your friends. Like, yo, meet me at the Panorama Club. And we didn't really have anything like that in the Bradley Center. So the Pfizer form in general is obviously very modern, and it's a whole different aspect to Bucks basketball. It's great to have, and I'm very happy that we were able to go through with the stadium and that we have the Pfizer form today. A lot of stuff has built up around the Pfizer form. Like I said, I live near there, so I'm able to see kind of the Mecca 
is a great spot. It's a restaurant bar right next to the forum with a huge TV, a sport kind of a sports bar. And just kind of the whole area is built up and they call it the Deer District. And it's very exciting that we have that here in Milwaukee and a great team to go along with it. So adding into that entertainment in the Deer District, we also have an outstanding beer garden. And in that beer garden, they show playoff games. They show a variety of things, actually. You know, if, if you're not able to get into the Bucks game, you know, you're coming out of work late or you can't get a ticket. You can always just chill outside in the Deer District, watch a Bucks game, and if you're lucky enough, get one of those picnic tables. But when it comes to playoff time, man, you're you're way in the back unless you get there hours before the game. Oh my gosh, I can't re- even recall how many playoff games I was just standing and watching off the big screen, booing Paul Pierce when he's talking trash about the Bucks. The series was over after 0-1. But, uh, yeah, so we have the Deer District. We have the Mecca. We had the Punch Bowl, which I'm sure will be a very good piece of capital for someone to buy and make something from since Punch Bowls across the United States are now bankrupt. Then we also have Whitetail, which is a new one. And you can see that the common theme around all these is, is the Bucks. So we have Whitetail, we have Uncle Bucks, but there's just so many cool places. The whole beer garden and the big screen TV. Oh man, you're giving me good memories from last year. I wish we had that going on right now, but basically that outdoor area is filled with fans and the beers are flowing and the game's on. And it's great for people that aren't in the stadium it's kind of like an in-game experience out there showing it on the big screen hype man joe yeah (laughs) yeah shout out hype man joe i was at some of those games with logan watching on the big screen it's just a good time and it's unfortunate that we're not going to be able to experience that um in the district because it's always a fun time when the playoffs roll around especially when you got a good team like the bucks inside of the fiser again they have so many different restaurants as well and different beer choices. Like, there's probably four or five different Lining Kugels places. I love Lining Kugels. They even had a Chick fil A in there. So, you know. Oh, gotta love Chick fil A, man. Those spicy chicken sandwiches with fries. Whew. Those hit. What do you think the effect of the arena going up has had on our downtown life? What has that attracted in? You talked about DNC. We've seen other big time concerts come in as well. What other positive things do you see around with this coming in obviously it has a huge mainly economic impact i mean apartments restaurants bars hotels they're all being positively impacted by what's going on at the pfizer forum i mean between bucks games marquette games concerts and different events i mean the pfizer forum has a lot going on and it's bringing people not only from the milwaukee area but around the country and even the world to some of these events so this has this has a great impact on our city, not only from a fan and excitement standpoint, from from an economic standpoint. Obviously, the Bucks. I mean, between whether you're a security personnel or concessions or working for the Bucks in sales or whatever, I mean, clearly that's had a good impact on jobs. Some jobs people would argue aren't making a lot, but I think the Bucks do a great job of trying to make sure everyone's getting paid a fair wage i'm not sure exactly of the details but i think they wanted to have everyone making at least 15 an hour by this year or next year and not only that the bucks do a lot of good stuff in the community building stuff fundraising events and stuff like that so overall i think keeping the bucks in milwaukee from a economic and excitement standpoint it was great, and it was much needed. I mean, it was a big sigh of relief when I found out that our bucks were saved and we'd be able to um, enjoy the good times ahead being a Bucks fan. The last thing I want to mention about those employees at the Bucks Arena is they just seem so happy. It doesn't matter if the Bucks win or lose. There's so many people down in the main concourse that are willing to give you high fives. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Yeah, they just seem so happy to be there. They're very positive and just seem to to love the interaction that you give them. There's always a lot of excitement. Whenever I leave a game, there's always workers high-fiving the people on the way out, and they're always greeting you. And I think they've made it more of just a not just a fan experience as a Bucks, but just kind of a fun experience in general. The Pfizer Forum is a great place to go 
see a game or a concert. And if you haven't been there before, um, I hope you are able to go there sometime in the future when they're back open and running again. Now we have the best player in the NBA. Yes, I said it, the best player in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's in the second last year of his contract at this moment. Next year is going to be huge for our team, regardless of what it looks like, because it is his last year. This summer, or whenever free agency starts, he is eligible for the Supermax, bringing in approximately $50 million a year. I wish I could make that much, or even close to that much. He is eligible for the Supermax. If you guys did not know, he owns uh, some property north of Milwaukee with his girlfriend and his new baby Liam and his mother of course you know what what do you th- what is your your hope and then also you know what's what's the timeline or what would you like the timeline to be for Giannis this summer and then you know ultimately if he doesn't sign it this summer moving forward I mean all Bucks fans and the whole NBA in general is kind of waiting on Giannis decision me being a Bucks fan and a Greek guy, I might be a little biased, but I do think Yanni will re-sign the Supermax in Milwaukee. Being kind of a poor kid in Athens, Greece, and not a lot growing up, Milwaukee was the first place that kind of gave him a home, gave him a career, gave his family a home, and that's all he's really ever known in the U.S. And he's grown to love Milwaukee almost as much as we've grown to love him. And he's kind of become the face of the city and obviously the face of the Bucks, And me, along with um, obviously any other Bucks fan, are hoping and praying that he will sign that Supermax deal. We can pay him more than any other team. We've built for years a team that suits him. We have the best team in the league right now. And I hope that Yanni will stay because we have a very bright future. Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and other key Bucks players are locked up for at least a few years to come. So if Yanni stays, our core is very strong to begin with, and we can only grow from there. So Yanni, if you're ever listening, like I said before, we love you in Milwaukee. Please do anything you can do to stay a buck for life. Now to play the devil's advocate, and we have to do it because that's the way it is with anybody. What would be the impact on Milwaukee and just us as fans if he would to leave our team? Ultimately, it's his decision. It's his family's decision. And I can't say I would respect any decision he made. It would be unfortunate. But if he were to leave, obviously from a Bucks standpoint, I don't really know what direction we would go to. If, we, if he were to say, I don't want to be a Buck and we still had a year on his contract, we would be able to trade him and acquire a lot of either young players and or draft picks. From that standpoint, already having a pretty good supporting cast, we would still be competitive and have a good team. From a standpoint of him leaving, I would feel a sense of, obviously I'd be sad, I'd be a little mad too. I mean, he's expressed that Milwaukee's a place he's want to be, he wants to be. He wants to be with one team his career. I understand, though, it's a business. If he were to leave, it'd be very unfortunate. It would be tough. I mean, the whole city and Bucks nation would be devastated, but I understand from that aspect. If he were to leave, I think the main thing would be probably be a big market. Milwaukee's obviously not a big market, but Yanni said that he's not a big market guy. He doesn't like all the cameras and all the attention. So it would be interesting. I mean, we have a team that caters his needs, And we have a team that's capable of winning multiple championships. So pinpointing a reason for him to leave is tough to do. But obviously players have their own beliefs and needs. And if he wants to go to a bigger market or if he thinks that he's a better fit with a different team, then I would understand. But it would obviously be devastating. And I, along with all Bucks fans, could probably agree that we will celebrate like heck if he does resign with the Bucks and we'll be devastated for a long time if he does leave us. So it's a decision we're all waiting on, and we hope it works out for the best. And this would, without question, be the biggest loss in Wisconsin, I'd say, for professional sports. In terms of a free agent, you can't really put a name on it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is up there. Who knows, who knows what's going to happen with that, with them drafting a quarterback this last year. But, yeah, Giannis and, and Aaron Rodgers are about the, the people I'd put on the same level. 
Yelich now we have him locked up. That's huge. It's funny because we didn't. A lot of people probably didn't think that they were going to lock up Yelich, and then here we are with him in a massive long-term deal. In basketball, like I said, it's hard for these small markets to sign big free agents. So when you get one in the draft and you're able to keep them around, especially a good, genuine guy like Yanni who loves the city and we love him, you want to do whatever you can to keep him. So the Yelich news was great. I love that we locked him up. I mean, he's brought so much excitement to the Brewers and all of our fans as well. And, I mean, I hope we can do the same for Yanni. 2021 season, let's fast forward here. It will be Giannis' last year unless he would sign up a max super max contract this upcoming summer. In terms of what it looks like from a logistical standpoint, what do you see happening with the NBA season? Do you see it being shortened? A lot depends on what happens with this season. If this season were to resume, realistically, we're not going to see any games probably until at the very earliest end of June. So that would push... This season back until at the very earliest, end of August probably, unless they did some shortened version of the playoffs. And that would obviously lead to a later start to the following season. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think next season obviously will be affected. It will start later than originally. But the future seasons, I hope it doesn't have too much of an impact on. As far as the fan aspect and general experience... I don't think it's going to be the same next year. I mean, obviously, we're working towards a vaccine and a cure for the coronavirus and all that. I still think we're a ways away from normalcy and full fans in the stadium. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that we could have some fans or some sort of restrictions in the stands for next season. But for the most part, I don't think we're going to see full stands in the Pfizer Forum in 2020 or possibly all of next season either. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we return to normal, normalcy after that. Um, but we will see. It's quite a difficult process, and obviously it's we're not any health experts. We can't make any predictions, but we can only speculate things that would make logistical sense in our standpoint. We're going to come back one more time to talk about travel. Billy does a lot of international travel, and then finally talking about national parks again. <laughs> Now, I know you've done a lot of international travel in your life. Me, I've only gone to Mexico once, to Cancun, and that was for my grandparents' wedding anniversary. But that's it. I want to talk a little bit about some of the countries you've been to and then experiences you've had. I would start by saying a few years ago, I went to a European trip with Johnny, my brother, and one of his friends, Ross. And we got to experience some different European cities, and that kind of triggered my desire to travel more internationally from an international standpoint it gives us obviously a different viewpoint i mean the culture is different the people are different the food is different the language is different the money is different everything's different so that's what i think is cool about it you get to learn a lot about different countries and different cultures in general and from there i did a lot of traveling around europe i went to south america i have a friend alonzo who's from Uh, Lima, Peru, who I met in Whitewater when he was studying abroad. And I visited him and did some traveling around there. I went to the Amazon, Machu Picchu. And then this past year, I went to Australia, New Zealand. Two years ago, I went to the United Arab Emirates, which was amazing. And I just did a lot of international travel, and I love it. I love going to hostels. I mean, a lot of people are a little concerned or sketched out by the thought of staying in a dorm with stranger travelers, but I think it's really cool. I mean, not only is it a cheap option, but I love hostels internationally because, one, they're cheap, and two, they do a lot of activities within the hostel, so I'm able to meet other travelers, people like me, who are out traveling from all parts of the world and they do a lot of activities and tours and stuff like that that kind of gear towards the main attractions in that city or country. Overall, traveling's great and if you're able to financially and kind of situationally and you're up for it, international travel's great and I encourage anyone to get out and travel as much as they can. I have a lot of travel aspirations in the future. I've done a lot in the past, and 
it's just a very exciting part of life is being able to travel and experience the great world that we we have it in our hands if you had to pick one country that you want to visit that you haven't yet what would it be if you had to pick one i guess i would talk about a region i've wanted to go to like southeast asia thailand and kind of countries around there vietnam laos and travel southeast asia i've kind of i'm kind of waiting for a time where i might have more than a couple of weeks at a time, vacation time, where I can go and kind of get the full experience. Something kind of more major on my travel list would be like an African safari. I think that'd be really cool. I love seeing animals and wildlife. So in that aspect, those are a couple of my future travel aspirations. Thailand's definitely on the top of my list along with Italy. Those are the two that I really, really want to see. And hoping to do that yeah Italy obviously got hit pretty hard by the coronavirus but I haven't been there either and I would love to get to Italy so me as well on the more domestic side with national parks if you had to name your top three national parks that you've been to and then maybe some stories that you remember or experiences from it uh, what would those be so my top three parks I haven't been to too many parks but if I had to name a top three for the parks I've been to, I would have to say my number one would be Glacier National Park in Montana. It's an amazing park. I mean, there's lakes, mountains, wildlife, a little bit of everything. I went there with my brother and my dad a few years back, and that was a great experience. We camped out. We did some great hikes. We had some fun times, and that was just simply amazing my number two, I'd probably go with the Grand Tetons. I went there with my friends Conrad and Carl five or six years ago, and that was also amazing. Like I said, it's it, I kind of picture it as like a another version of Glacier National Park. There's mountains, there's trees, um, and it's just beautiful. Lakes, did a little bit of everything, swam a bit, hiked a bit, saw some wildlife, grilled some food. And for number three... I'd probably go with Zion National Park. Um, they have a famous hike, the Angels Landing, where towards the end you're kind of climbing up these rails, these kind of chain rails where you're getting to the top, the peak, and that was kind of an epic experience. Zion's very different and where it's not a lot of trees and woods and forests and lakes. It's more so like rocks and that kind of national landscape. So it's very different and... I definitely enjoyed my time there with my cousin Stephen and some of my British friends I met at Whitewater. I'm looking forward to this upcoming summer. I think the one that you told me about that I'd be most interested in would be Bryce Canyon and the hoodoos that they have there. Yeah, Bryce Canyon's definitely interesting. I love that park. I also stopped there. It's not far from Zion, so you're able to kind of check both those off on the same trip. Very unique with the hoodoos. There's not many hoodoos in the country so Bryce Canyon definitely offers a unique landscape and a good experience. So wrapping up here if you had to pick three parks that you're most interested in in seeing that you haven't yet what would they be? So this park isn't in the United States but Banff National Park yes. in Canada is definitely on my list. I've actually talked about it recently with my sister Stephanie. It's not far from Calgary which is a bigger city in Canada so I'm hoping in the near future I can maybe fly into Calgary, kind of rent a car and go to Banff and kind of experience the beauty that they have to offer there in Canada. I would say Yosemite is on my list as well. It's a very popular park in California. I've heard great things about some of their hikes there. I'd love to get out to Yosemite. I haven't been to any California national parks, so getting to Yosemite or any of those parks would be great. I guess third, I would say Acadia National Park in Maine would be cool because there's not a lot of parks out like on the East Coast and stuff like that. So Acadia would be really cool because it's obviously on the water and it'd be definitely a different and unique experience. I hope to get to all of those places in the future. And what about you? What are What is on your... I know you have a big trip coming up. Um, yeah. I don't know if you wanted to touch on that or... Yeah, a lot of the parks that I'm going to are are more deserty, and it's going to be a little a little rough being in the middle of July. It's going to be very hot, dry heat, so not much humidity, which is the good thing. Hopefully, get a nice morning hike in before it gets too hot. 
for most of them. I'm really looking forward to Great Sand Dunes. With the Great Sand Dunes, I know a lot of people have, have said it's not the most exciting part, but I know that you can go sandboarding, kind of like a snowboard that goes on the dunes. And then also, all of the dunes are surrounded by your typical Colorado mountains. So you can see them with the snow tops surrounding the dunes. Looks really cool. I'm looking forward to that. Three other parks outside of ones that I'm going on during this trip include one that actually was just named a national park in New Mexico. It's called White Sands National Park. I, I know that they are seeming to add national parks just about every three, four years now depending upon if they would like to declare them a national park. So that's what I'm interested in. I love New Mexico. I went there for my Breaking Bad tour when I visited Albuquerque, and I, I liked that a lot because it's really interesting that all of the buildings in the main area were made out of adobe and clay. So the second park that I'm interested in is on the outskirts of Alaska. It's called Kenai Fjords. The reason I know that it's very, very highly looked upon is you can go kayaking, right off of the shore of Alaska and there's orca whales right around there. I'm hoping that one wouldn't tip my boat over, but it'd be kind of cool to see one uh, either come out of the water or, you know, I don't know if I think it would be cool if it was riding right next to my boat. I might get a little paranoid, but um, that sounds really cool. And obviously Alaska is the final frontier. And the third one is Badlands. Badlands is located very close to us. One of the guys I went to Whitewater with, Brandon Miller, he went on a national park trip, and I remember that he had a video, and there was a buffalo or a bison that walked right up to his car. And it sounds like that's a very common thing where you have a lot of wildlife, specifically bison, that come up and try to get food from you or you know, just try to give you a little bit of company, and they're not very harmful at all. And I know that I had a student as well that was from the Dakotas, and he talked very highly of the Badlands. So. Yeah, yeah, the Badlands is a stop you could definitely make. Like you said, it's not too far from Wisconsin, so you could kind of do a separate trip there, or you could kind of tag that along as a trip you make when you go out west. I know me and Conrad and Carl, we stopped in the Badlands. We went out to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone. National parks are great. Got to love hiking. Got to love getting out and enjoying the natural beauty that our country and our planet has to offer that's all we got for this week so thanks for joining me billy yeah thank you logan i had a great time on your uh, podcast and best of luck going forward with this so next week we're gonna have justin st peter on and we're gonna talk about a variety of topics so i look forward to talking with him next week and thanks for listening